Good morning, everyone. So this morning's reading, Old Testament, Jeremiah 31, 15 to 25. So this is what the Lord says. A voice heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is what the Lord says. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy. So there is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. I have surely heard Ephraim's moaning. You disciplined me like an unruly calf, and I have been disciplined. Restore me, and I will return, because you are the Lord my God. After I strayed, I repented. After I came to understand I beat my breast. I was ashamed and humiliated because I bore the disgrace of my youth. Is not Ephraim my dear son, the child in whom I delight? Though I often speak against him, I still remember him. Therefore my heart yearns for him. I have great compassion for him, declares the Lord. Set up road signs, put up guideposts. Take note of the highway, the road that you take. Return, virgin Israel. Return to your towns. How long will you wander, unfaithful daughter Israel? The Lord will create a new thing on earth. The woman will return to the man. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. When I bring them back from captivity, the people in the land of Judah and in its towns will once again use these words. The Lord bless you. You prosperous city, you sacred mountain. People will live together in Judah and all its towns, farmers and those who move about with their flocks. I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. Oh, well, thank you, Val. And the lead up to Christmas, we've been looking at how uh, the Christmas of the Bible is a bit different to what we might sometimes expect or uh, well, think. Uh, you know, we look around us uh, here today and we, uh, we, we see Christmas and we think of it being festive and uh, we think of doing all the fun things, you know, enjoying the, the fun traditions, enjoying the celebrations, being happy. Uh, and, and Christmas can be a lot of fun and all that sort of stuff can be a lot of fun. Uh, But what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, actually, is that the Christmas of the Bible 
it's more about those who aren't necessarily feeling all the fun of that sort of stuff. Actually, the Christmas story is about people who are feeling uh, fearful. It's about people who are feeling broken or, or hopeless or, or disillusioned because those are the sorts of people that Jesus came from, for. And if you happen to be feeling that way as we approach Christmas this year, you probably don't necessarily feel so Christmassy. But what we've seen is that those feelings are what the Christmas story is all about. They have, those, things have, those feelings have much more to do with why Jesus came to earth. He came for the broken. He came for those who are suffering. He came for those who are scared and insecure. And, uh, and Christmas might not change how we feel about those things, but the Bible's message of Christmas does offer real hope uh, for those who are feeling and who are, who are in those situations. Now, uh, today I want to do something a little bit different. I don't know uh, how you are feeling as we get towards Christmas, less than a week to go now. I'm sure some of you are feeling some of those things that we've spoken about, uh, maybe scared or disillusioned or broken. I'm sure, sure some of us are feeling excited. Uh, I bet some of us are feeling something in the middle, but uh, I reckon this is a feeling that lots of us do feel as we get closer to Christmas. I, I bet some of us are feeling tired. How about that? Tired and weary. It's been a long year. It's been a long two years, hasn't it? And, and as the year comes to an end, uh, oftentimes there are deadlines at work, projects you're scrambling to finish off. Uh, lots of us, I'm sure, have lots to do this week. You know, things we have to get done before Christmas, uh, things we have to get done for Christmas to get ready. Uh, cooking to be done, things to be organised, uh, different things to wrap up, uh, which I mean, you know, I mean like projects to wrap up and that sort of thing. I guess I've, I've, also you probably have presents to wrap up as well, but uh, I'm sure lots of us are just feeling weary from the long year and really, as we get to the end of the year, in need of a break. Does anyone feel like that? You, you don't have to put your hands up. You're probably too tired to put your hands up anyway. Um, and look, it's a shame that Christmas can actually make uh, so many of us feel really tired because... What I want to talk to us about today is that actually one of the reasons Jesus came is the opposite of that. He came to bring rest, rest for the weary. And so when I say I want to do something a little bit different today, what I mean is um, often we come to the Bible and we maybe come away with a lot of things that we want to do in response, maybe a bit of a to-do list coming out of what we read, uh, and that's you know, totally appropriate at times, but uh, as we talk about what it means to be weary and tired as we come towards Christmas, uh, you know, weary people don't need more things to add onto the bottom of their to-do list. So uh, what I want to do today is I just want to come and together hear from the Bible, hear, hear what God's Word says about Christmas. Uh, and actually, I want us to come away, not with a to-do list, but I want us to come away with a feeling. One of the things I think the Christmas of the Bible should do is it should invoke in us a feeling, and I'm going to try and describe this feeling, but uh, before I try and describe it with words, let me, um, let me give you a picture that I think will help. This was in the news uh, last week, I think. Here we go. Uh, it was the day that the Queensland-New South Wales border opened uh, after months of being closed with COVID, uh, months of friends and families and couples being separated, being kept apart, uh, months of people who had to live on the road, maybe live in a caravan park. Uh, but finally, that feeling of being able to come home, of seeing loved ones again, that that feeling of sleeping in your own bed, of being able to just kind of be with those people that you can relax around, those people who you care about. Uh, look, I, know, I don't know, there are numbers in our community who this has been the reality for you. With COVID, lots of us have been kept away from those who we hold dear. Lots of us, uh, I know, are even still waiting, hoping for the moment of finally being reunited back together. And I'm sure some of us have the hope uh, that that, that's going to come this week at Christmas. Uh, and certainly this is a big uh, thing at Christmas time, being with those who we care about. 
I'm sure for those who are waiting to see those people who haven't seen them for so long, there is a sense where uh, perhaps the world won't feel quite so right until that reunion happens. Uh, But I don't want us to think about this feeling in terms of just COVID. I I want us to think of maybe travelling, maybe even back before COVID when you could travel. Uh, Perhaps some of us would have travelled for long periods. You might be away from home for months or or even years. Uh, And you can have the best trip in the world, go to all the brilliant places, but that feeling of coming home, coming back to loved ones, coming back to sleep in your own bed again, uh, that feeling of that first home-cooked meal after months of uh, eating in a dodgy backpackers. Are you getting a sense of that feeling that I'm trying to describe for us, that coming home, that coming home for rest sort of feeling? I'm trying hard to describe this feeling because I'm not really normally a sort of a feelings, uh, emotionally expressive kind of person. You can ask my wife, Annika. Um, She'll tell you that she's only seen me cry once in our marriage. Uh, And that was when Adelaide United won the grand final, uh, which was a very emotional day. Uh, But I I do find something about this sort of picture very deeply emotional. It does deeply resonate with me being reunited, that joy of the weary traveller on the road, finally coming home. Uh, one other thing it makes me think about is, um, is, is the book, The Story of the Lord of the Rings, if you know it. Uh, the Hobbits, they're off on their journey. Actually, it happens, I think, in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. They're off on their journey, uh, facing all these challenges, lots of hardship of uh, sleeping rough and being on the road and all the dangers that come with it. Uh, and then finally, they, in both the stories, they get to this place, Rivendell, and it's safe, and it's beautiful, and it's comfortable, and there's good food, and there's the softest beds. And I think Tolkien talks about Rivendell as the last homely house of the West. Uh, and I think he, he bases it off uh, his travels through Europe. And when he would come to uh, these beautiful Swiss towns where they had beautiful Swiss hospitality in the mountains, uh, and as a weary traveller, you could find that great rest that you need when you're off on the road. Well, as we come to the Bible today... And this passage from Jeremiah that Val's read for us, I want us to see that the Bible talks about all of us being sort of like travellers, sort of like we're off on the road and we're weary and we're tired, we're on this journey away from home. And so sometimes we do feel tired and weary, you know, if that's what you're feeling at the moment, we shouldn't be too surprised because we're kind of like weary travellers on a journey. And this connects deeply with the Christmas story because the reason that Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago was to give us this feeling that I've been trying to describe for us. Jesus came at Christmas time to bring us rest. He came at Christmas time to bring us home. That's the sort of picture uh, that the Christmas of the Bible is all about, this sort of picture. Well, three points today as we... Have a look at this passage and I'll try and explain to you uh, what, uh, where we can see that in what we're, we've looked at today. Uh, three points. Number one, the pain of separation. Number two, the hope of return. And number three, the refreshment of Jesus. The pain of separation, the hope of return, the refreshment of Jesus. Uh, so first, the pain of separation. Uh, as we have the past couple of weeks, uh, we've been thinking about Christmas by looking at uh, passages from the Old Testament, sort of predictions or prophecies uh, of Christmas. Although, strictly speaking, what we're looking at today isn't so much a, a prophecy or a prediction of Christmas, although it does very much point us to Christmas. Uh, and particularly, particularly, it points us to Christmas in the first verse from our reading. Uh, let's get that back up on the screen. Uh, some of you would have picked up to the, connect, the connection to Christmas straight away. As Val read for us, it says, This is what the Lord says. A voice is, is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. 
Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now, if you're not sure what this has to do with Christmas, that's okay. We'll get there in a few minutes. Uh, but first, let's just go back. Let's go back to when this, these words were originally written and try and get some context because this is an interesting verse. Uh, they're the words of the prophet Jeremiah. He's writing at a real time in history about 2,600 years ago. Uh, for those who've been here the last couple of weeks, we looked at the prophets Isaiah and Micah. Uh, the, uh, they, they were, we're now about 100 years after those guys, so... Uh, they were about 2,700 years ago. We're now about 100 years later and looking at the words of the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is writing in the middle of a terrible time. It's a terrible time for God's people. They've, they've been attacked. They've been conquered. They've been captured. The sort of things that actually Isaiah and Micah were predicting and now we're in the middle of it. They're right in the middle of being taken away, being taken as captives, taken off to Babylon in exile. Now, if you hear about the Bible sometimes and you might hear about the exile, sometimes you kind of hear about all of Israel being taken off into exile, which is you know, true in a sense, but uh, strictly what really happened is that's not quite true. What, what really happened is the Babylonians came in and they wanted to kind of remove Israel as a threat. Uh, and what they did is they wanted to take the strongest, the strongest people of Israel and the most useful sort of people of Israel back to Babylon so that back in Babylon, partly, so that back in Babylon they could be workers and they could be servants and slaves and things like that. Uh, so what they did is they, they came to Israel and they wanted to take away the most useful people, both because they wanted them in Babylon, but also because they wanted to remove Israel from being a threat. So they thought if they took away all the useful people, then it wouldn't be so threatening. So uh, no offence to anyone who's slightly older, but they took away all the young people. Uh, they took away the young men, the young women, the, the ones who were strong, the ones who were in their prime, the ones who could mount a resistance if they were left behind. And they took away some older people too, particularly the powerful leaders and the high officials and things like that. But really, Babylon came in and just ripped the whole youth of this nation and took it away, took them away to exile in Babylon, teenagers and kids uh, and younger people. And this is why Jeremiah writes what he does. Our voice is heard in Ramah. Ramah was sort of a mustering point uh, where the captives were brought. They were brought to Ramah and then they were carted off to Babylon. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because there were no more. God's people are weeping because their children are literally being taken away. Their kids are being separated from their parents. Grandkids are being taken away from their grandparents. It's a devastating situation. This whole generation being ripped away and forced to grow up away from home, away from loved ones, forced to live a life on the road. And Jeremiah does something interesting here. He, um, he's talking about what's going on around him at the time, uh, but at the same time, he's also looking back. So Jeremiah is 2,600 years old, but he's looking back even further to this character, Rachel. Uh, Rachel, you might know from the book of Genesis, I think actually we're scheduled to get a chance to have a look at the story of Rachel next year when we continue through the book of Genesis. And Rachel, she's the wife of Jacob, who, uh, who is also called Israel, so she's the wife of Israel. Uh, so you might call Rachel the mother of God's people, the mother of Israel, uh, although she only gave birth to two of Israel's sons, um, Benjamin and Joseph. And, and tragically, Rachel, uh, Rachel's story is very tragic. Tragically, Rachel dies giving birth to Benjamin, her second son. She isn't able to have a relationship with her child. And our passage in Jeremiah, it's looking back, it's saying, remember how Rachel wasn't there to be able to raise her kids. Remember how devastating it was. Well, now it's kind of like it's happening again. We're losing all of our children. It's like Rachel's still mourning for her children hundreds of years later, except now they're being carted off to go away and live in exile in a foreign land. 
Now, we ask what this has to do with Christmas as we come to Christmas, as we move through the Bible and come to the birth of Jesus. You might recognize the words from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, which tells us a story about what happened a little bit after Jesus was born. Uh, The king of the day, King Herod, was worried about the reports of this new king who had been born. And so he gave orders to kill all the young boys in Bethlehem under the age of two, which is obviously where Jesus was born. And what Matthew, who's writing that story, does for us is Matthew chooses to use these words from the book of Jeremiah. That's a way of saying, well, what happened, what happened thousands of years ago with Rachel uh, losing her children, not being able to have a relationship with her children? What happened in Jeremiah's own time when the, the youth of the nation were taken off to exile in a foreign land? Well, now it's kind of like it's happening a third time. Again, as weeping as the children of Bethlehem are killed and taken away from their parents. There's this theme you can see, this, this painful separation that goes right through these key points in the Bible. And what makes it particularly then real for us here in 2021 is that the writers of the New Testament also talk about this theme, this idea of exile being very much our reality here today as well. Particularly the Apostle Peter picks up this theme and he says that the life of the Christian is very much the life of the exile. It's not an easy, enjoyable life in our home country with our loved ones. The life of the Christian is the life of a weary traveller. We're away from our true home. We're away from the place where we really belong. And so we shouldn't be surprised if we live lives of weariness. Because we do live in this place, in this land where things are broken, where we do experience pain and health and challenges and health challenges and broken relationships and insecurities. The the pain of being separated from God, separated from where we really belong, hits us in so many of these ways. We are those weary travellers on the road, missing home having to sleep in that dodgy backpackers, missing home-cooked food. We're not home where we belong. But the good news, it comes in our second point, the pain of separation. Point two, there is great hope of return. Uh, this point is, was there in the days of Jeremiah, it was there, it's there in the Christmas story, and it's still good news for us here today. Hope of return. If we go into our passage again, Uh, Jeremiah has started with those words about mourning and weeping as the Israelites go off into exile. But as we move into the rest of the passage, he quickly changes to give his people words of hope. He says, This is what the Lord says. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return. They will return from the land of the enemy. So there is hope. There is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. What amazing words to hear at the very moment the generation is getting carried off into exile to this foreign land where they're going to live weary, hard lives to know that it's not going to last. They're going to be there for a time, but they're going to come back. There is hope. That picture we've been talking about of reunion, of coming back together, well, it is going to be reality. This is said even more strongly at the end of our passage, the last couple of verses from verse 23. Uh, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. When I bring them back from captivity, the people in the land of Judah and in its towns will once again use these words. The Lord bless you, you prosperous city, you sacred mountain. People will live together in Judah and all its towns, farmers and those who move about with their flocks. I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. This really is a picture of amazing hope. This 
This is full restoration. This is the picture we've been talking about. They're going to come home. And not just that, they're going to come back to rest, to a city that's going to be prosperous, to restored relationships, to safety. Farmers are going to be able to move about in peace. They're going to come home to be refreshed, to this place where the weary and the faint are satisfied. It's going to be perfect. They're going to come back. It's that feeling we've been talking about. Now, just as Jeremiah and the other prophets predict, the way history plays out is that this is what happens. Uh, Israel does only spend about 70 years in exile. The Babylonians who took them away, they get taken over by the Persians. Uh, The Persians have different government policy and their policy is that it's better to leave people in their own country. So they send the Israelites home. and, And there is this nice moment in Israel's history where the people are able to come back. There is reunion. Uh, the temple's rebuilt and things like that. Uh, but the interesting thing as well is that what happens when all the Israelites do have this moment of coming home is that it, it's never quite as good as what is promised. You know, they do come back from exile, but they're still ruled by other kingdoms. Things aren't so rosy and beautiful. Uh, and I think this is all because Jeremiah, he's still trying to point us even further forward. And as we go forward through the Bible, we come to the Christmas story, I certainly think there's a lot of meaning in the idea that Matthew goes back to use some of Jeremiah's words. I think Matthew wants us to see that in the Christmas story, as in the story of the exile, there's pain, there's loss, there's separation, weeping, devastation. But I think Matthew also wants us to see see that in the Christmas story, again, like in the story of the exile, there is great hope. In the coming of Jesus, there is hope for the weary traveller. There is hope for those in exile. There's even hope for those poor children in Bethlehem who were killed because Jesus, the one who came at Christmas, he's the one who came for those weary travellers. He's the one who died to put an end to death. He's the one who rose to show that there really is hope of life after death. He's the one who came, he's the one who will come back again. He's the one who will take those of us who follow him back to our true home. He's the one who really will fulfil these words of Jeremiah. I'm going to just... Flip back to this picture again. Showed it to you at the start. It's the feeling I want us to keep coming back to today. Uh, this is something of what the promise of Christmas looks like. The promise of Jesus is that he will return and he will bring us home. Home to the new heavens and the new earth. To the land where we will really belong. The land where we no longer have to feel weary. The place where we'll find true safety, true rest. Our true home. A world that's no longer broken. Relationships that are no longer broken. A place where we'll live with Jesus, where, we'll, where there will be no mourning, no death, as the book of Revelation says. And of course, the hope of being with Jesus one day doesn't necessarily take away the feelings of weariness we might have at the moment. We're still living in a world of brokenness. It shouldn't be too surprising if sometimes we do feel like weary, tired travellers. But without trying to minimise the seriousness of those things that we might be experiencing, it, it does make me think of times when I've travelled and done things that have hard. I, I was thinking about it, I was trying to think of examples, I thought of one, um, a few years ago we got to go to New Zealand and we did this hike up uh, in the middle of the North Island, up this volcano, and you kind of walk, o- walk up over this big volcano mountain, uh, it's a big long day of walking, I think you climb about a kilometre up and then you go back down a kilometre, um, takes all day, it's pretty epic and it's, it's meant to be a pretty stunning walk, unfortunately the day we happened to do it, as we got up the top it was just foggy and wet and we could never the whole day probably see more than about a metre in front of us, so it wasn't very satisfying. Uh, so really the whole day you're just walking along in cloud, wet, tired, sore, 
And it kind of just feels like you're going forever because you've got no idea where you're going. You just keep walking, walking and walking. Uh, and when you are feeling weary like that, well, uh, you know, that is sometimes what it feels like. But you know, I can tell you by the time we got back to our house, uh, got back to the Airbnb we were staying in, um, jumped in the hot tub, got a nice cool drink. Well, the whole weariness of the day kind of disappears pretty fast, doesn't it? It doesn't feel like you, suddenly, you know, when you were walking, it felt like you were walking forever. Um, and when you're relaxing afterwards, it only felt like you'd been walking for a couple of hours, you know, it pretty quickly disappears. And again, without wanting to trivialise the um, hardships that we might go through in this life, those things are really hard. When we do go home to be with Jesus, and when we're reunited with him, when we're experiencing the rest of the new heavens and the new earth, well, I'm sure there is a sense in which our present troubles will feel very momentary. The pain of separation, the hope of return. Lastly, final point, the refreshment of Jesus. As I think I said at the start, it's a bit of a shame that in some ways Christmas... Uh, you know, I've been trying to say this the whole way through. I'm not against the traditions or the fun and all the excitement and all that sort of stuff, but it's a bit of a shame that Christmas uh, can be a tiring time for lots of people. You know, we're getting everything ready, lots of preparation, trying to finish things off at work before the Christmas break, seeing family. You know, often it's about seeing those family that we conveniently decide not to see for the rest of the year. It can be all really quite tiring. And it's good to celebrate, but it's a shame because the Christmas of the Bible... Well, it's actually meant to be a lot more about refreshment than tiring, tiring ourselves out. And when we're feeling weary, we might not feel that Christmassy, but it's good to be reminded that Jesus came for weary people. It's the reason he, he came, the Christmas of the Bible. It's about Jesus come into his world, come for those who are feeling tired and weary, come to bring rest, come to bring refreshment, come to open up the way for us to return home. Now, uh, this is normally the part of the sermon where we might talk a little bit about how we, how we might respond, what we should maybe go and do. Uh, as I said at the start, if we're feeling weary, I don't want to load us up with a big long to-do list or, or you know, just something else to make us feel even a little bit more tired this week. Uh, what I do want to do for just the last couple of minutes is just remind us a little bit about what Jesus is like. Because he came, he came into this world, he came for people who are weary, he came for the weary traveller. And as we come to him, he does promise that we will find refreshment. And sometimes, quite naturally, we can start to make assumptions about what Jesus might be like or what he thinks. You know, maybe because we're constantly messing up and failing to live his way, that can make us think that he's starting to lose patience with us, that we're kind of hanging on by a knife's edge. Maybe deep down, there might be something us inside of us telling us that he's disappointed in us. Maybe part of us thinks that we... We're not really very useful to him anymore, so uh, maybe we worry that he doesn't care about us anymore. Perhaps we're struggling with so much pain and so many struggles that we maybe are starting to think that he's forgotten about us. And if this is who we think Jesus is, well, over time, we're going to feel more and more worn out by trying to live for him. So what I want us to do this morning is just remember what Jesus is like. Jesus is the one who loved the weary world. He loved the weary world so much that he lowered himself. He came into the world, came humbly, born in a manger. He's a gentle, kind king. He's the one who loves us so much, not because of anything we've done, not because we're useful, not in a conditional way as if his love depends on our fruitfulness or productivity. He just loves us. He just wants to be with us. 
He's the one who loves us so much that he would die for us. Die so that we could one day be brought back to him and be brought back to our true home. I don't know how you're feeling as we approach Christmas this year. Maybe you're feeling excited. Maybe you're feeling afraid. Maybe you're feeling hopeful. Maybe you're feeling disillusioned. Maybe you're full of energy. Maybe you're feeling weary. But whoever we are, however we're feeling, the message of the Bible is that at some level we are all weary travellers, away from our real home. And if you are feeling today the weariness that comes with living in this world, well, what I want you to do today is I want you to hear these words of Jesus. Jesus is gentle, he's meek, he's kind, he's the one who offers rest. These are the words that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. We'll finish with these words. I'm going to talk about them a little bit more next, next week at Christmas morning, actually. We'll finish these, with these words and then we'll sing to respond. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, And my burden is light. Amazing words to remember this Christmas. Let me pray for us as our band comes up. Father God, we come to you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love and your care for us. We've heard today how in many ways we are like exiles away from home, weary and on the road. Some of us today are feeling that. We are feeling weary, drained and worn out. Others perhaps are not feeling that so much today. Uh, But we do thank you that you sent Jesus. Jesus came at Christmas time for the weary world. Thank you that Jesus is gentle and kind. Thank you that in him we can rest. Please fill us with the energy that he offers. We look forward to his coming again when things will one day properly be put right. And we pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.